Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Guys in a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Back at you after a beautiful Labor Day weekend. Hope everybody out there enjoyed. Got a little time off, a little rest, a little relaxation, a little rest, recreation as well. Beautiful weekend here in Chicago, and I think it was, uh, for the most part, across our fine country. Two Guys in a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. We'll be talking sports and more right up until 11 o'clock. This is our first well, it's not a Monday, but our first day after a weekend of the football season. We'll recap some of the college football games, how we did it on Beat the Schmoes, sneak in a little baseball, and, of course, uh, off the sports page topics as well. And along with that, in between the perusal of sports news, you can enjoy some of the finest music around, the music of David Olson, our producer on the TalkZone.com archives. Thank you very much, David Olson, our producer, other side of the glass, big dog, and a coach up at your service right up until 11 o'clock. And again, uh, Labor Day weekend. Hope everybody uh, enjoyed it. A little extra day off. We start the week off on a Tuesday. That is a beautiful thing. And uh, speaking of beautiful things, college football over the weekend. I can't tell you. I can't tell you. And uh, Thursday night I watched a game, uh, Illinois State, Eastern Illinois, a couple of local teams, very enjoyable game, good contest, not big national powerhouses, but a good solid ball game. Thoroughly enjoy watching that. But I can't tell you on Saturday how uh, enjoyable it was after a whatever it is with the January 15th, what, six, seven, eight-month layoff for college football to start again, sit back in the old chair, and, of course, uh People that listen to the show regularly know that I typically watch the games via the DVR machine and not live TV, but really doesn't matter. I'm sitting back and watching college football on a beautiful Saturday. My Northwestern Wildcat, the Notre Dame team, completely discombobulating, snuck in a little bit of LSU and uh, Oregon, a little bit of Boise State and Georgia, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and a little bit of that. But uh, it was beautiful, beautiful to have college football back on. That was the second most beautiful thing of the weekend. The most beautiful thing, of course, is being able to welcome in my partner. A beautiful man unto his own right. He is the boy wonder himself, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Joel, how are you? Uh, I'm doing absolutely phenomenal, Coach. Everybody's being so nice to me lately. I, I, you know what happened is this weekend, a, a massive dude, about six foot seven, about 300 pounds, legitimately squared off me and wanted to fight me. And I was so happy. I squared, and I was ready to go. Throw blow. I'm not kidding because the guy had had uh, PO'd me so much that you know the, the the bar the bar owner comes running in and like threw the other guy out uh-huh. and he was like I really wanted you to beat him up but <laughs> I can't have you <laughs> destroying someone in my bar. I'm, I'm not worried about your health. More more importantly, at six seven and three hundred, can the man move laterally and block uh, high speed on rushing defensive ends? 
Well, uh, he uh, he was about 50 years old, and he, he <laughs> played football at Illinois State, and all of his whole entire family played at Notre Dame. Okay. And this all started, Coach. This guy comes into a bar called Harrigan, okay? And you got to ask the H- owner about this. this A-double-R-I-G-A-N spells Harrigan. Go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, I don't know why I had such a good weekend. I don't know why I started with this, but I was just – I think ever since this happened, everybody's like been – it's like everything's going my way is the best way I can tell you. So well, what, what? I, you know, this guy sits in there, and like when I there's no one in the bar, I walk in the place, and I'm like, oh, yes, college football on all the TVs. The, the owner of the bar literally hands me the remote control and says, put on whatever TV, just put them on whatever you want, games you want to put on. Oh, that's so outstanding. Guess, yeah. That's so outstanding. Maybe that could be, could that be a regular gig every Saturday? I think I'm going to go down there. He's like, I'll see you again when I'm leaving. Yeah. Well, as, 50 minutes later, this massive dude walks in. Where the hell is my Notre Dame game on? for screaming. <laughs> And the, the, I look right at the guy, and I was just talking about like how idiots that Americans can sometimes be about football. Uh-huh. And uh, next, you know, this guy starts like talking, like smack to me. Well, put the Notre Dame game on. You got to control. I was like, I'm going to put it on. It doesn't start for another 15 minutes. I was like, What are you in a hurry for? South Florida's going to beat them anyways. <laughs> oh, you, coach, you said that to a guy uh, six, seven, three hundred pounds as he walks into the bar, so, huh? The, the bigger they are, the slower they are. This guy was so drunk, I can't even explain. <laughs> it's 2.30 in the, in the afternoon, and this is barely walking the bar, okay? Uh-huh. Well, next thing I know, I just start making fun of Notre Dame football, and he's like, you don't know anything about sports or trivia. I know more, and I, I just start laughing. I'm about, so this guy's trying to tell me, I don't know. I couldn't name seven Notre Dame Heisman Trophy winners. Well, then finally I was like, listen, fat boy, could you just please shut up so I can eat my cheeseburger? <laughs> And when that happened, he slammed his drink down on me, uh-huh. and he squares up. He was like, let's go. And I, I was like, oh, I was actually literally happy. I was like, I'm actually going to get into a fight as a grown man, and uh-huh. I'm actually happy about it. And, like, the, the, the bar owner comes running in and, like, separated him. He's like, you kill that dude. <laughs> Only the big deal. The guy gives you the control, the remote control, gives you a little bit of power on a Saturday afternoon, and within 30 minutes, you got a fight going, and his bar is about to break down. Well, yeah. as that guy left, he the, the big, the big fat Irish dude left, and he turns and he goes, "You're probably an effing Jew," and I was like, "Oh, that's funny," you know. And then I turned and I was like, "What? Why, why would he say that?" I mean, yeah. that's just the type of idiot that we're yeah. that we were dealing with. Yeah. And so I was like, "Really? Does college football really bring out the idiots like this?" And then I'm not kidding you, coach. Every single person that walked in after that mm-hmm. was the coolest person in the world. It was beautiful, and I, we were back to normal college football. And like every person that walked in was like a massive, rabid college football fan. I was mm-hmm. in heaven on Saturday. Great place to watch. Uh, not, uh, hopefully they got more than one TV. We're talking Harrigan right. Sports Bar in the fine city of Chicago. We know all of our listeners are not in the Chicago area, but uh, Harrigan's, do they, you know, they got like three, four, five different TVs, a bunch of games going on at one time. Yeah, yes, they do. And there's some fancy steak joint that they actually get their food from. Nice. So this guy hands me the hamburger, and it had been walked in by some Mexican dude in some saran wrap. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the heck is this? He came in from the street, right? Okay. And the guy, and I was like, seriously? He's like, this hamburger that you're eating right now is 8 bucks, right? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, it's delicious. He's like, well, across the street, they charge 20 bucks for it. <laughs> by the way, I... <laughs> some fancy steak joint across the street. I was like, that's, that's it. They get all the food from there. Not so. a bad deal. No, no, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Get some good munchies while you're watching the ball game. By the way, on a semi-related note, over the weekend, our good friend Andy from Appalachia did request again, please ask Joel where the Appalachian State alumni in Chicago gather. He'd love to watch an Appalachian State game. Um, I couldn't help him, but uh, I told him possibly you could.
you know, it's been so long for this guy that he doesn't even know that they're just called Appalachian now, not just Appalachian State. <laughs> Are you they sure? State off of it. Yeah, they're Appalachian. Oh, how disappointing. What's the- there's, there's many places to go. and uh, But you might want to go into the southern part of the city. Like You might want to end up like in Calumet. <laughs> okay. I'm sure Andy from Appalachia will uh, venture down to Calumet next Saturday. By the way, on a related topic, as we uh, begin college football, and you talked about idiocy and and big guys that completely embarrassed themselves over the weekend, I would put right up front and center. Maybe second to the six foot seven, 300-pound Irish dude who started to cause you problems, big dog, uh, would be the head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I don't know if you saw the game. I haven't read any controversies about it. I can't believe more people aren't mentioning, but Brian Kelly's sideline demeanor was absolutely abysmal. It's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And you know, you know what else is even more embarrassing? The fact that they hired Brian Kelly instead of Skip Holt. Yes. Who's the, who's the better coach, yep. Skip Holt or Brian Kelly? If, boy, uh, if you watch that game uh, on Saturday, and keep in mind that Notre Dame you know, keeps getting all the top recruits in it for the last five years. Every, you know, February, March, April, May, I'm reading about this number one recruit from here going to Notre Dame, this number one guy going to Notre Dame. Not just one, five years of top-level recruits. And they completely fall apart against the South Florida team, who gets pretty good recruits, but not the number one guys in the nation. One team was beautifully well-coached, organized. Their coach was very classy on the sidelines. The other team, that being the one that had the ND on their jerseys, was completely discombobulated, played with no emotion, and had a coach who was a ravaging maniac on the sidelines. No, no, I, I thought I agree with everything that you said there, but I'm going to tell you this, the South Florida players are a lot, better than I think you're giving them credit for. I didn't I didn't say they weren't better. I'm talking about where they were ranked in their recruiting. Oh, well, without, without a doubt. Yeah. But how, who was faster? Which was the faster team on, on Saturday? I don't think there's any doubt that South Florida was dramatically faster than, than Notre Dame. South Florida is going to win the Big East, Coach. I said it before the game, and I think right now you might believe me, that they're, they're going to win that conference. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're a really, really good football team. And Lou, skip, skip Holt, you talk about just class. The way he handles himself. Yep. And what he, his response afterwards was like, you know, it's an honor after playing here and coaching here to come in here and, and coach against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Don't worry, they're going to be all right. Yeah, they'll be all right in like three years when Brian Kelly's fired and they eventually make you the head coach at Notre Dame. I mean, he, he it's basically the Charlie Weiss era all over again. You get a big, high-profile coach coming in with a big ego, and he becomes more unlikable, and you can tell the players don't like him. And who would like him when you embarrass him? Big dog, did you see it? What I'm it talking was, about? It was it was ridiculous. How, how many face masks can he grab? You know, he should he should have stayed at Cincinnati because at least when his face turns that red, it's the school colors. Oh my goodness, the neck act. There was actually bubbles, little bubbles coming out of the neck. He got that mad for the fans that didn't see it. Brian Kelly, not we're not talking. First of all, the Notre Dame team played as poorly as you could possibly play. I mean, and, turnovers, and, 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 huh? They played as poorly as you possibly play, and they gained 500 yards of offense. Yeah, well, second half, they the offense started to, to put it in motion. But penalties, turnovers, yeah. missed catches, missed opportunities, uh, you know, just all kinds of disastrous things. Poor interceptions by their starting quarterback who won the starting job and then completely discombobulated himself. But, you know, that can happen to a team. But the coach, it was not folks, that for, if you haven't seen, it was not just your typical coach getting mad at players. He literally... When things were going bad, particularly with his quarterbacks, one time with the receiver would go right 
after the kid, even before he hit the sideline, pointing uh-huh. in his face, swearing at the kid, and then as the kid walked away a little bit, would follow him. I thought one time, Big Dog, I mean, he was close to going Woody Hayes on the guy and actually punching him. Yeah, he's an embarrassment. He's The kid's an absolute, you know, Brian Kelly is an absolute embarrassment. I yep. thought he was going to turn stuff around there. He has lost his mind since yep. he's gone to Notre Dame coach. Yep. And, and he was he was always a real intense guy at Cincinnati. Let's not forget, look at Look at the Cincinnati's quarterback situation when, when he was there the three or four years. How many different quarterbacks were there every single game? Mm-hmm. He would pull the quarterback all the time. But, you know, there's something to be said about quiet stoicism. You're like, you know what I mean? You, as soon as you start panicking, your team starts panicking. And they play exactly like right. a panic team. They would move the ball right down the field. And then, you know, all of a sudden somebody makes a mistake. And then, oh, no, here it goes again. And then three more mistakes would happen right afterwards. Yep. Yep. You know what happens in football? Mistakes, especially in game one. You know what else happens in football? You have to overcome those mistakes. Not sit there and dwell on them and act like it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I can't believe a coach act like that. You, and... you know what? I, I couldn't agree more with you, coach. I, and you're the first person I've talked to about this all weekend because I've, I've been trying to bring it up, but everybody else, can you believe Boise State beat Georgia? Yeah, I can. Can you believe LSU destroyed Oregon? Yeah, I can. You know, but all, but to me, that was kind of the story of the weekend. Brian Kelly might be over in over his head at Notre Dame. If I were an administrator or the guy in charge at Notre Dame, I'd pull, I'd pull the dude aside uh, this morning. I'd tell him, hey, you pull that crap on national TV again or you, you do that to your players again, you will be gone. I don't know what the contract looks like. I don't know how much money they'd have to buy out. But And then if I were the parent of uh, one of the players that got yelled at, Dane, Chris, Dad, or Mom, or uh, I don't know if it was Sierra Woods, one of the receivers, you know, I'd get a hold of the coach. I'd say, hey, you do that again. You do that again to my son during a game, and you know he will be off the team, headed for another school faster. You could say choo choo Chattanooga. And here's the biggest deal of all: if I were a recruit or the yeah. parent of a recruit thinking of coming to Notre Dame, and I saw that on TV, and I got my list of five schools I'm thinking of for my top level recruit, that list is now down to four. Big dumb. You know, uh, coach, you're right, you're, and hopefully that stuff happens. Don't forget it happened to both Lini last year. The, the basically the the administration at Nebraska came to him and was like, don't grab people's face, yep. their face masks, and start shaking their head and screaming at them and, and dropping F-bombs on the sideline anymore. We'll fire you. <laughs> so it's happened before. It happened last year. Uh-huh. And, and I want to say this, too. Coach, I'm all for having the toughest, hardest nails coach as possible. I would want that as a player. I would want that as uh, as a father for my kid. But then again, as a, you know, like if I was – determining where my son was going to play college football. You know, I, there was, I always give this example. Bobby Knight and Mike Krzyzewski, they are equally as tough. They will equally get into a player's head and demand perfection out of these kids. Mm-hmm. But Mike Krzyzewski doesn't embarrass these kids publicly like Bobby Knight would. Exactly. There's a big difference. I, that's why I would always want my kid to go to, to a Krzyzewski type, just as tough as Knight, without having Knight having to be the big bully, hey, I'm in charge of this team, and watch me degrade all these kids because they played poorly. No. You know what you need to do is coach these kids up and not put them in a panic. I'm glad they got their butt kicked on Saturday. Well said. That's exactly right, and that's a great comparison with the two coaches, too. Beautifully said. Big note, we're on the same wavelength early in the show. This is not uh, typical, but... uh... All right, we got the whole Notre Dame situation off of our back. Had to get that off uh, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. But uh, great to have you on the show. Now, I know this week, today is the only day we get you, right? Yeah, and I really didn't want to do the show, but considering this was the first, no offense, I I really wanted to, I need a lot of stuff to get done, but I got, 
it's so therapeutic. The first weekend of actual real football human beings running into each other at full speed, there was no way I was going to miss this show, Coach. Honestly, the, there's no way. By the way, if you want to get a hold of the big dog, uh, ask him any of the uh, events or activities that went on over the college football weekend. We'll get into a little baseball talk, sneak in some U.S. Open as well. Uh, 888-463-6748 is our phone number. First weekend of college football. Any of your observations, your complaints, your thoughts, positive, negative, or anywhere in the vast in between. 888-463-6748. Real quick, we'll go over some of the games, but uh, our first beat the schmoes, big dog. I know you went at worst two and one. Which game was I not sure of here? Uh, I, I went three and oh, coach. Alabama, and who was it? Who did Alabama play? They, they annihilated Kent. Oh, Kent. I'm looking at Kentucky. Yeah, Kent. And you gave up 38 points. So the annihilation was by more than 38? Yeah, they won 48-7. to seven. But to be quite honest with you, right when I made that pick and hung the phone up, I was like, that was a stupid pick. But Alabama, whose offense went in reverse and played poorly, Coach. Their offense played poorly, and they won 48-7. to seven. Their defense le- legitimately wasn't even fair. Like the Kent State quarterback probably should sue his offensive lineman. If you if you saw any highlights of that game, it was ugly. <laughs> ugly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel, if you're going to play Alabama's defense this year, you had better wear an extra pair of pads. That's a little scary because I heard the Bears and Mike Tice uh, already preparing for next year's draft. They got a couple of Kent State O-linemen on their uh, possible wish list. Oh, they got a guy with a bunch of upside, a lot of upside. <laughs> these, uh, these guys can improve a lot, Coach. Yeah, back – here, I'll let you do the punchline. He backpedals extremely well. All right, so you hit 3-0. and First weekend, you nailed all three games. Folks, beat the Schmoes, the game we play every Friday, football prediction game. You pick it against the spread. It's not so easy. 3-0 and the first week. Nicely done, dog. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, the, the Oregon-LSU game was a, a gift. I was like, really, seriously, how could you, how could you have – uh, LSU as an underdog in Dallas. I, that was, oh, because their starting quarterback is out. Well, they finally got to punk off the team and watch this team be great. Mm-hmm. The, the best thing that would happen to LSU is if they found this kid that was guilty and he's suspended for the rest of the season, they can forget about him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to bring called, his name up. Jarrett Lee played pretty well. And, you know, what did they do? LSU, they went high formation and ran right down the middle on Oregon all day long, and Oregon couldn't stop the coach. And that's the difference in the, in the football game. You called that one, and you called the South Florida, well, we're not even going to call it an upset after watching anymore, but South Florida over Notre Dame. Notre Dame ranked way too high because of reputation. So a 3-0 and start, I guess the only minor concern, Big Dog, is have you put expectations too high? Have you set the bar too high in week one? No, I'm just glad that it's it, that uh, I'm going to be at least at 500 after next week. That's the only thing I can look forward to. Though. It's kind of a negative way of looking at it. You know what? I, I'm not going to put too much into this. I'm going to have some fun with it. And yeah. hopefully at the end of the year, I mean, like the whole goal is to pick at 52%. That's all I care about yeah. is to pick at 52% yeah. by the end of the year. Well, I went opposite approach to you. I was uh, apparently, I didn't mean it, but apparently I was very careful not to set the bar. Too high in week one as I won a semi-miserable, but not pathetic, one and two. It could have been worse. The Minnesota-USC game, not a win for Minnesota, but they easily covered. But uh, uh, They were getting destroyed and came back yep. and played great in the second half. So, uh, the Gophers, you know, you were on the road, so I'll give you a tip. If you're at home, I wouldn't have forgiven you for losing, even if it is the USC. But mm-hmm. to be down 19 nothing on the road, at USC with USC's very good pass rush defensive line, I, I was impressed. Coach. So good, to, you know. 
He said they can blow it out of the water. My first-year coach theory uh, came through in that one. It did not come through in the Indiana game as Indiana loses to Ball State. That's not a great way for the Kevin Wilson era to begin. And Purdue keeps losing quarterbacks. Big up my surprise team of the Big Ten is already. We're in the, <laughs> the first game of the season. They're down to their third-string quarterback, and they win, but barely didn't cover. So I go a uh, less-than-mediocre one and two. Yeah, it's all right, Coach. Don't worry. You'll, you'll get it turned around. Okay. You'll get it turned around. Here's one thing I would give you a hint at. That Ball State game, Indiana was only a six-point favorite. So you're thinking, whenever you see a six-point favorite, they're trying to get you to bait that on the favorite. Because they're like, oh, Indiana Big Ten team, they only have to win by seven points, which is a touchdown, and you cover? Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Watch the six-point underdog always. They win the game. They don't even they don't even cover their spread. They win the game a lot of times. The voice of experience, man. You can get it each and every day, except uh, today, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll be out of town. Or not today, but this week. The big dog, Joel Radwanski. By the way, producer extraordinaire, David Olson. Uh, pretty two, two and one. Two one. Two and one. Yeah. And you weren't even going to make picks, right? You were nope. going to no, take the week made, off. Just, just made them on the fly. You may have to stick to college picks from now on. Possibly, now you got one game up on the pro season, which always helps. The only game he missed, Big Dog, was actually a pretty good game. Georgia, Boise State, Boise State, I think proved to people. Uh, well, they didn't really have to no, prove to people. They, they prove it to us all the time, but yes. they don't prove it to the general football public who can't imagine that uh, a, te- a team from Boise could actually field 22 players that can tackle and block. I don't understand it, but I, I don't know. And by the way, the leader, if you're keeping track, the leader in the Heisman Trophy candidacy after one week, which is kind of a ridiculous thing to even mention. But uh, please welcome in Boise State quarterback Kellen Moore. Twenty, He was already a top 10 candidate, but he goes 28 for 34 for, uh, what, three touchdowns. Outstanding performance by Kay Moore. Okay, uh, he is on the list, obviously, Coach. Andrew Luck, who threw for a trillion yards against San Jose State. No, he list. didn't. Uh, well, he had like 200. Well, I was just making fun of the fact yeah. they won 57 to three. Yeah. They got him out in the middle of the third quarter. Game was but closer. The, the game was closer than the score would indicate. Yeah, it definitely was closer than 57 three. Now, <laughs> if, if you are really saying who the number one Heisman Trophy leader is after week one, no, it's not Russell. It's not Russell Wilson yet. No, no, no. I, I agree. It isn't Russell Wilson yet. You know who it is? It's Robert. It's RG3. So it's Robert Griffin the third from Baylor. Did is you it, see the week he had? Is this the kid who caught like a thousand passes or something like that? No, this is the quarterback. Oh, who, yes. I, I remember you. I talked about him last year. And then during the bowl game when Illinois played uh, Baylor. This kid is one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Except he plays for Baylor. But, you know, just to let you know, they won 50-48 to 48 over Texas Christian Woo! at home. And a kid, he ran for two touchdowns and threw for five, and Coach, he wasn't throwing the quick wide receiver screen. He was dropping back and chucking it down the field. It was beautiful. beautiful. I mean, that the highlights of the Baylor-Texas Christian game, it might not be top as a game of the year by the end of the year. It was under, did you see watching that? It was going back and forth. I Texas did not Christian watch. was one for a touchdown, and then Robert Griffin would throw two passes, and it, it was, the score was 34-28 to at halftime. Didn't see any of it. And again, for those of you that are not avid college football watchers, TCU, the team that he scored the seven touchdowns against, uh, a very good top 25 football team, right, Doug? Well, without question. They're the Rose Bowl champions, the defending Rose Bowl champions. It's a pretty good team over there in TCU. So, yeah, they, uh, they go into Baylor, 
and lose. And that was, if you remember, Coach, that was the one game that I was. I would. I wish I took that instead of Alabama because I really like Baylor plus the four. All right. We'll jump to the uh, front of the head of the class, Robert Griffin the third. We'll have to keep an eye on him. Big win for Baylor, outstanding. So you got uh, those couple of big games with LSU and Boise State coming through. Uh, brand new coaches at Ohio State. Brand new coach at Michigan. Big dog. They both. Came through with victories, not real significant wins, but uh, nice victories for Brady Hoke and Luke Fickle. Yeah, it's uh, luckily the games that were stopped due to weather were were blowouts, and I don't think they were going to uh, the outcome was going to be changed. But uh, the weekend definitely affected by by bad weather and, and the stoppages of games. Now, uh, Western Michigan and Michigan, considering they're both state schools, it might have been a little bit easier for. Uh, like someone to come in and be like, hey, these kids cannot be, we cannot have sent them, we have, they haven't eaten in eight hours. Uh, there's still lightning out here. We can't send these kids back after resting for, for three hours for the second time. So uh, they're like, okay, let's, let's cancel the game. Let's, let's call it and give the, the W to Michigan. They were up by 24. We can yep. deal with that. What would it be? What if the score of the game was 20 to 17? Cause what would have happened then? Yeah, uh, you could not have called it a victory. So I wonder, the college football has to do something about it because the other game that happened to that was very similar, except it was West Virginia Marshall, two schools from the same state, okay? So maybe, you know, that's a little bit easier because you have the yeah. same people mm-hmm. running the institutions, and then they just, they just say, hey, it was 10 hours or 11 hours since the players had eaten. And they're like, no, we can't, we can't send these guys back on the field. They haven't eaten in 11 hours. Mm-hmm. And then we have to stretch them out for the fourth time today because there was two stoppages yeah. before that. Strange going on in football this year. The weather definitely wrecked havoc uh, on a lot of the games, including the Notre Dame-South Florida game, which was delayed, I think, a couple of times. One of the delays Mm -hmm. was like two hours. So that was uh, just one of the many, many uh, interesting stories. Only week one, big dog, but uh, set the table for what should be a heck of a 2011 college football season. Some good stuff on week one. And the the tradition started about 10 years ago of putting – uh, a marquee football game on Labor Day night, the Monday night, yep. is one of the great new traditions in college football. They don't that that, that Maryland Miami game last night Excellent. was an absolute barn burner. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a true diehard football fan, but if you if you get bored with seeing the same thing over and over again, you'd want to slap the mic. Al Golden is being called like this great coach, blah blah blah. I, I know he is, coach. I know he's a good coach, but. Legitimately, every time there was an important play in that game, you handed off to Lamar Miller. Don't you think Maryland figured it out in the middle of the third quarter that mm-hmm. you only have one player on your team? So that's more, that's more important. More importantly for Al Golden, next time uh, rain is predicted, Al's a little bit uh, overweight. He needs to tighten up a little bit. Next time uh, heavy rains are predicted, and you're going to wear a white coaching shirt, wear a white T-shirt underneath it. Yeah, I don't need to see nipple, Coach. You have an excellent point. <laughs> I was I was trying to get not quite that descriptive, but thank you very much, Big Dog, for breaking the barrier. But uh, Another great game. Maryland wins last yes. night. And, you know, something crazy happened. <laughs> Maryland intercepts the pass with basically under 45 seconds to go in the game. They have a two-point lead. Yep. And I always say, Coach, yep. if you have a two- or one-point lead. Get down, baby. You get fall down. down. You fall down. Well, as I'm yelling, fall down, fall down, you know, I, I hear people, why would he fall down? Well, he scores a touchdown. They were up two. Now they're up eight. Mm-hmm. Now they, they have to kick the extra point. Oh, guess what? They missed the extra point. And guess what? Miami gets the ball back and can tie it. Obviously, they didn't. But to everybody out there 
the notoriety of being smart enough to know that you should go down is more noteworthy than the interception return for a touchdown because, yeah, they were, you returned it for a touchdown, blah, 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 returned it for a touchdown. But every single highlight in the country would stop and say, hey, look at this kid. He's smart enough to get down and not just for the touchdown for the acclaim. This guarantees his team wins because, well, let's face it, as soon as that kick was botched, Everybody in the room that I told to get down, they're like, oh, you're right, Joel. It's just going to end up in the game. Yep. <laughs> yep, you had the giant uh-oh going. Now, one addendum to uh, what you said, and you're absolutely correct, and Randy Edsel, the head coach, came over from Connecticut, got his first victory for the Maryland Terrapin in front of the home fans, a smile on his face at the end of the game. That was worth watching the fourth quarter unto himself. Just pure joy from a coach, not... Rubbing it in on the other team, but just a guy who was just really happy that he got his first win, new program, great crowd, everything. But the one addendum to what you said, Big Dog, and that is assuming the other team is out of timeouts or maybe down to one timeout. If uh, this is, you got to know this in advance now. If they've got three timeouts left, then maybe you want to take it in because they could. You're exactly right. Yeah. So, well, what, where the game was at that point, yes. he should have went down. Assume, so you're yeah. exactly right. you got to look at the game situation. You don't always fall down. How many are, defensive players, though? How many defensive players at the age of 19, 20, and 21, when they go out on the field late in the game, how many of them are either coached or know themselves how many timeouts the other team has? I, I just want to – that's a really good point, Coach. When I Even when I was a freshman at McMurray, I knew. I knew exactly how many – but I'm going to let you know that out of the 11 guys on the field, I would say that only one other guy I would have believed on that football field would have known. So, so two the out coach, of the 11, two, two out of the 11 of us would have known how many timeouts there were. So you really, you almost need a coach. And by asking the question, I think I kind of uh, implicated that not many kids are going to know that the coach really needs to remind the kids, you know, along with everything else on defense, hey, if we get an intercept, if we get a turnover, they're out of timeouts, take a knee and get down, we win the game. Well, but you got to remind you know, them that. I just, just to let you know, it's a little bit different, though, the level of college football I was playing compared to these guys because the scoreboard they're looking at has every single bit of information on the planet. You can actually find out if you're, if, yeah, if you're getting a phone call that's, that's, at that time. But that's, the, that's our, not where their focus is, though, Big Dog. Yeah, we held a, somebody held up a, you know, like a, a sheet of paper and it said like 24-7, and we knew we were up by 17. <laughs> So like, and, the, and they punched out holes with pencils for the timeout. So that was always very difficult, especially if it was an eclipse that day. <laughs> Instead so of a so horn like, at the I, end I of the house, some guy's blowing a whistle. A low-budget program there at McMurray College. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, now, let's real quick, uh, and again, 888-463-6748. You want to check in, talk some collegiate football. First weekend of the season, folks. So we'll get to some NFL talk as well as the opening of that season comes up starting on Thursday. Bears play on Sunday. Again, the phone number 888-463-6748. Real quick, dog. Our local teams, Illinois and Northwestern, both won. Northwestern against a better opponent, but uh, you're fighting a line. I looked awfully good. Yeah, uh, you know, Boston College, I don't care what anybody says. Oh, they had their two top running backs down. How could you win? No, just the their one. Stringer. What's up? They, uh, it was only their number two running back did play. Oh, okay. So uh, there you go, Coach. And in game one, it's hard to tell who's number one and who's number three anyways. Everybody thinks uh, all 19 to 22-year-olds who got a Division One scholarship believe they're our number one running back anyways, especially game one. So I thought that was overblown. So it was a really nice win to go on the road and beat Boston College and uh, we always say Boston College 
You want to get them early. You want to play Boston College, Virginia Tech, those schools early because they're, they're so well coached by the end of the year, they're yep. going to be better than you. Yep. And with, with Illinois, a lot of positive coach. Uh, one of the, the, the number one positive is the fact that um, Nate Shieldhouse will be protected by the best offensive line in the Big Ten this year. They looked phenomenal, the, uh, the offensive line of the fight in the line. Guys are Everybody's big. back. That's a, that's, a, that's a big mountain of an offensive line for Illinois. Isn't it? They're huge. Yep. They, they are bigger than the Bears' offensive line. The Illinois offensive it's got to be. They, these kids are massive. Everybody's 300 pounds, mm-hmm. and they move pretty quick. And there's, there's at least three guys that are going to play in the NFL on their offensive line right now. Coach. Mm-hmm. That's how good the, the Illinois offensive line is. Good place to start. Good place. I get distracted a little bit, by the way, when you were talking about my favorite Northwestern team. As I'm watching up on the screen, the U.S. Open is going on. And uh, number one women's seed, Carolyn uh, Wozniacki, I believe is her name. Uh-huh. She was uh, bending over, leaning into her serve. So most of your Northwestern comments I uh, did not quite catch, Big Dog, as she was in a lean-forward position, ready to make her second serve. But it, it's funny that, that you're saying that because right now I'm watching the NASCAR race. There's nothing better than rainouts over the weekend. Everyone says, this is NASCAR, they have the race this weekend. And then uh, what happens for me is, you know, I'm usually off on a Monday or a Tuesday morning, and then I can actually sit down and watch a sporting event, Coach. I, that's Without question, every time I watch a race, which I'm watching right now, I always am like, man, that was so interesting and awesome. So, But I never want to turn off, I don't want to turn off college football to watch a race or baseball to watch a race. So, I love when they have these rain-ups so I can actually watch a race on a Monday or Tuesday morning. So. I heard some comedian over the weekend say if you want to test real racing skill and make it more real for the fans, you know, have them do it in the rain and then put have them have their wife sit right next to them while they're run, racing. You know, i got to be quite honest with you. That's a very, very interesting idea, Coach. <laughs> actually not that interesting, but it was good from the uh, comedian. Um Let's see, Big Dog. We talked Illinois. We talked Northwestern. I think we covered most of the collegiate football games. Any others Just out go, there? That... Go over the Big Ten, if you don't mind. Uh, Ohio State, who uh, uh, debuting a, a new coach. Uh, this whole this freshman quarterback that's going to take over for Joe Bowserman eventually, whether he starts next year or eventually this year. Braxton Miller looked really good in a backup role for for Ohio State, and I don't know how Ohio State does it, Coach, but they breed defensive linemen. They've got four new kids that all they did was molest people all day long. <laughs> I don't know, seriously, it's unbelievable. It's a, it's a factory. Uh, Penn State uh, basically just ran rampage, you know, uh, over uh, their opponent. I don't even know who they played, but watching the highlights was ridiculous. And Joe Paterno up, I think he was tweeting while he was up in the booth <laughs> instead of watching the game, Coach. <laughs> Joe doesn't get distracted. That's one thing you can say about him. He's pretty focused during the games. i got to be 100% positive. No, you're right. You didn't see these highlights from Coach. I don't no. think he was watching the game. Okay. I, like He looked bad. Okay. He looked really, really bad. Like This is the first time I've ever said he looked bad, and I've questioned whether or not maybe people are right. I never have up until I saw him in the – I was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. that doesn't look good. He looked like he was like drooling on himself. <laughs> so take it uh, easy maybe he was watching a webcast of like his great grandson playing a high school game well that that could be true it's possible uh, i did the, the funniest thing i heard all weekend <laughs> was when they were talking about weather delays lou holt starts talking about a game in 1992 that was 60 degrees at game time and if you remember this it was the snow game between notre dame and penn state mm-hmm. okay and he's like he's like he's like how the heck does this happen He's like, we're totally, we're dressed like it's going to be funny out. 
Next thing you know, Joe Paterno doesn't even control the officials. He also controls the weather. <laughs> I don't know why. Just maybe crack up. So uh, I, I really hope he gets the wins he needs this year to break the record. Yeah. Uh, I don't. It's just been, It might be time. Well, well uh, but he's the what, what break what record? Joe Paterno's. I thought he's the all-time leading. Well, wins. to get the all-time collegiate record, it's four hundred and eight by a man by the name of Eddie Robinson. Oh, we're so, talking okay. And as, and as far and as far as I'm concerned, Eddie Robinson has the most wins in college history. Mm-hmm. Head coach, That's, of course, of uh, Grambling University. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Excellent. Excellent. All right, week one of college football outstanding. It's in the docket. We'll uh, look forward to a great, great season. Won't be long, Big Dub. Before you know it, we'll be talking about who's going to the Orange Bowl and who's going to the Rose Bowl. But uh, good stuff. Good stuff over the week one. And congratulations to you and yours. And please get your hands off mine for going 3-0 on Beat the Schmoes. Uh, yeah, we'll see if I can continue that. I doubt it. By the way, we had uh, emailer Steve who picked... Uh, Florida International. I don't know who the hell they played. Pick Toledo and Arizona State. <laughs> I have no idea if those three teams cover the spread or not. We'll have to check that out. Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't know Florida International played. I know Florida Atlantic did. Who did FIU play, Coach? I don't know. Is Florida International and Florida Atlantic? Maybe they're the same school. No, they're different schools. Different coach. schools. All right. Yeah, they are. All right. As a matter of fact, one's the Owls and one's the. Uh, but they're definitely different schools. How, the one was the fight in Schnellenberger's, the, the Florida Atlantic. <laughs> and oh. Florida International was the school that had the, remember the huge brawl against Miami on the field a couple years ago? Yes. Where, like knives were pulled and yes. somebody pulled out a gun. That was a good one. Yes, that was one of the best. Co- it wasn't the greatest college fight of all mm-hmm. time, but it's up there, Coach. That was a good one. By the way, speaking of nicknames, I, uh, I've been PA announcing a little bit for Northwestern University men's soccer. If you can believe that. And yesterday they played University of Missouri, Kansas City, UMKC. Are you aware of their nickname, Big Duck? I would say the Chiefers. The, <laughs> the Kangaroos. So I had a hard time every time be like a corner kick for the Kangaroos. Kangaroo substitution. It was like a little bit difficult keeping a straight face with a team with the nickname of the Kangaroos. You know, at least it's original. I don't yeah. think there's anybody else in all the college nope. uh, sports that has I, that name. I actually like it. It's just, uh, it just brought a little smile to my face, and I, I had trouble getting the whole name out without a uh, little cracking up. But you're right. It's original. It's kind of cool. Hey, let's come up with a new name. How about the Tigers? Oh, that's a good one. We'll use that one. Or the Wildcats. So come up with something a little different. Yeah. All right. 888-463-674. A real quick big dog baseball over the, uh, Weekend, we'll talk about that real quick and just to set a, a kind of a whole scenario. We were so excited and not necessarily May, but, uh, June, early part of July. It started to fade away a little bit the end of July. Not so much so that, you know, oh boy, September. September is going to be great in Major League Baseball. Look at the way these races are shaping up. The teams are all bunched together. And now, as the teams head to the stretch here in early September, less than a month of baseball left, this could be one of the biggest dud final months of the year. We really only got one race going on. Yeah, the American League West. That's it? Yeah, uh, the, the National League West. The Diamondbacks are flat out pulling away. Woo! And, you know, I, you know, I picked the Diamondbacks instead of the Giants early in the year just because the Giants can't hit. I didn't know they were going to be this bad. The Giants have the worst offense. Yeah. Man. Part of it is the Giants being bad, and part of it, who would have thunk? The Arizona Diamondbacks. I looked at their, their lineup yesterday just to, to check out some of the names. I mean, they got a lot of no names. 
not saying they're bad players, but this is not exactly uh, you know a lot of top level big name ball player. They've won twelve of their last thirteen games, big dog. Red hot coming down the stretch. They've got some really, really good young talent. It seems like every move they've made this year with Kevin Towers, why didn't the Cubs pick this guy up? My goodness. One of the best GMs in all of, in all of baseball. Every move he's made this year has been phenomenal. He trades for people, and they just turn it around yeah. since they've been there. So. Let me throw some names at you. In yesterday's lineup for the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, 12 out of 13 rolling coming down the stretch. Bloomquist, Para, Lily a Willie Goldschmidt. Bloomquist. It sounds like my Jewish softball team. Bloomquist, a para, a Goldschmidt. They got Bloom, Cowgill, Hank, Blanc, Hank White, Henry Blanco, the ex backup for the Cubs, still playing ball. Owings was the pitcher. It sounds like a, a Jewish law firm, big dub, but there's your Arizona Diamondbacks. I didn't put two and two together. Don't forget Upton. Well, that's the name that people would recognize, so I didn't say that name. But well, yes. It, it, but, but still, that's, that you can have uh, someone that's Jewish with the name Upton. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. From that angle, yes. I mean, legitimately, that is, and, uh, it is a, it's a, it's a law firm. <laughs> Bloom, <laughs> Goldschmidt, Cowgill, Bloomquist, rather. Uh, you know what? This year, when I when I heard of Willie Bloomquist, it was like the first week of the season, he went off, and I had an injury, and I had to pick him up. So I pick up Willie Bloomquist, and... I watch uh, MLB Network and watching the Diamondback game, and I'm like, oh, well, I'll finally get to see this Willie Bloomquist kid. Comes up and he's a white dude. I mean, he's a white dude. Willie? <laughs> what? I was totally shocked. So I was a little disappointed. I cut him. I was like, oh, you, oh, that's too bad. Oh, you, you, you released him immediately. I felt funny. Yeah, because he wasn't what I pictured. Yeah. I pictured like this real scrappy guy that flew around the bases. Yeah, he's exactly the same guy that I pictured. He's totally fast, <laughs> but he's just, he's a. You know, so I had to cut him. Yeah. So yeah. it's happened the other way, too. You know, so. These things happen. By the way, speaking of fantasy drafts, I understand you and uh, producer extraordinaire David Olson, amongst uh, 15 or 20 others, participated in a late night draft last night. Uh, would that be correct? Yeah, we did it at 1030. And basically, if I'm going to have to request the time for next year's fantasy draft exactly when this year ends. I'm not kidding you because that was the earliest I could get on Labor Day, which is I, I always hold the draft on Labor Day. It's like, but I usually have it at 9 p.m. Was 10:30 was the earliest now, I could get. Help, help me out here because uh, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the whole fantasy draft concept. But uh, you know, I listen well, to it. I hear other people. Yahoo. What do you so have? Yahoo you have to... to be in the server. So Yahoo, I guess, could only have ah, so many fantasy okay. drafts going on at one time. Okay. So my option yesterday was 11:45 or 10:30. Interesting. So I was like, I'll go to 10.30. People will kill me if they're up at 1 o'clock in the morning. So but you actually least, have to reserve a time. Yes, you do. Interesting. You do. But just to let everybody know, normally people have a minute and a half in between picks. I put it down to 45 seconds. There was no way I was going to sit there. and yeah. You have no idea. Because I, I pick immediately, Coach. I have my players ready, and I just pick them. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't sit there and dwell on it. for like, And we have a couple dwellers. And I was, that would add, we would have been here until 2.30 in the morning. David Olson would have killed me. So I just put 40 I was a uh, producer extraordinaire, David Olson. I'm assuming he was not one of those uh, time dwellers. No, no, he, he was he was in there taking, making his picks. It was good. I appreciated yeah. that. So it, it went by. We got it done in uh, 44 minutes. It wow. took us to do the to do the draft. Wow. Pretty good with 12 players. What is your team name? My, it's Kiss My Hallis. And by the way, I, can't, I made that up. I made it up. Uh-huh. That was Everybody had these funny nicknames, right? So my, my buddy Brian's like, I didn't see that one. I'm like, what are you talking about? You didn't see Kiss My House. 
He's like, well, in the list of funny football nicknames. And I'm like, what? I was like, I actually made that up. He's like, well, that's pretty good, Joel. Well, I went to, uh, he showed me the spot on Google and it has the funniest fantasy football nicknames. Coach, I was literally in tears. <laughs> I can't say I'm all over the air because you get mad at me, even though they're just football players' names. Yeah. Some of them are, some of them are really funny. I'm going to, I'm going to make a note to check that out. That sounds like it could be a good five minutes of entertainment. David, now, what's your team name? Touchdown Jeebus. <laughs> Not touchdown Revis, like in Daryl Revis. No touchdown Jeebus. Jeebus. I, I don't get it though. Not a Simpsons fan, huh? Oh. Okay. I don't watch that many. I, I probably. Only I don't even like believe in Jeebus. <laughs> there was a whole episode where Homer kept calling Jesus Jeebus. Oh, I never so, saw that yeah. one. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, I will expect you guys to finish in first and second place in that league. No question about it. But uh, back to baseball, big dog. Uh, so we uh, present that as an overall scenario. It's really disappointing coming down the stretch. Now, the playoffs should be some great matchups, uh, you know, and into the championship and the World Series. But coming down the stretch, really the only race, including the wild card, right, is, is the Angels in Texas in the American League West. The wild card is pretty much decided. Yeah, I'm going to New York. Today, so I'll see you next yeah, and the Atlanta Braves, I think, have wrapped up the wild card in the National League, and you know, for a long time, it's been the Red Sox Yankees loser that will be the wild card in the AOEs. So, not only do we not have close division races, the wild card, which typically you got four or five teams bunched mm-hmm. up, that's pretty much decided as well. You, you know, it, it's funny is every, you know a lot of times with when it, with the whole realignment that happened uh, after after '93 when it used to be just the four divisions. You know, most of the time. There'd be situations where, everybody, like the but the like and the apologists would be like, "Steve, we have so many more races because of this." Well, you know what? Think of how much better would it be right now if there were four races, four four divisions? All of a sudden, this would be some great races, you know. So this is one of the years where the expansion of the playoffs actually hurt how dramatic the regular season was going. Mm-hmm. No question about it. No question, but. Um... What are you going to do? we, we got to watch it? I mean, you still got a decent race with Anaheim and Texas, and uh, the rest of it, I guess we can start uh, wetting our appetite for what should be a pretty good playoffs in about, uh, what, about 30 days? Yeah, because uh, the death march, Chopin's death march, was played uh, about the <laughs> second inning of the Sunday night game in the American League Central. Oh. Uh, and I know I didn't want to bring it up, you know, kick somebody when they're down. Yeah, but the White Sox season officially ended right about the bottom of the second, I would say. When we left the show on Friday, uh, you know, the, the big series, the White Sox and the Tigers, the Sox can make up some ground, kind of a testing ground for the Sox. They've struggled all season, but maybe they can make something out of it here. Got to win two out of three. We don't have to sweep. A sweep would be nice. Two out of three gets us back in the race. Go White Sox and we come back uh, on Monday on Labor Day and find out the White Sox not only did not take two out of three, but they got swept by the Tigers, including an 18 to two loss on Sunday. Ouch! Capital O. It ended up being 18 to two. 18 to two. Is it? Well, you know what? They came back yesterday, and the Stewart kid gave them an awesome outing. I know their season is done. It really is. But to, to come back and have that next was it? What was it in the eighth inning? He finally gave the first hit up, or uh, a base runner allowed. Yeah, he was only... perfect through uh, through the first six innings of the game. And then I fell asleep on the couch. So yeah, was... just one hit the entire game for Zach Stewart. In the, in the uh, it was a day night doubleheader. The day game, Phil Umber pitched pretty well too. As the White Sox won two to one, so they did sweep yesterday and got two great pitching performances. Yeah, and uh, it's it's going to be too late. I, I don't think it's 
there's going to be any chance that the White Sox actually come back now. So mm-hmm. they're, they're down a week in the standings, and there's four weeks mm-hmm. left. Well, the so, other part of it is the Detroit Tigers. They, they're just you know, gunning the engine and uh, flying down the stretch. They are just on a roll right now. you got to consider them. I don't think a month ago you wouldn't have said that, but they're at least a contender now to make a run in the AL playoffs. Well, well they, 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 they definitely are because they got a guy that Verlander could pitch every fourth day and pitch three times in a seven-game series, they have a chance to win. Because if Verlander pitches three times and can be himself, then they're going to they're gonna go 3-0 and in his game, Coach. So they only have to win one other game. So you're exactly right. They're a contender. And right now, they have a guy by the name of Austin Jackson who's a young kid. Yep. He's a great defensive center fielder. But, like, he's been really inconsistent. And this year he started out horribly on offense. Well, all of a sudden now, like I said, he's inconsistent. So right now he's as hot as anybody is in the game of baseball. The kid's hitting like 400 the last month, and he's scoring more than a run a game. So you got a guy like that hitting in front of Miguel Cabrera. If you got a speed guy on base all the time in front of Miguel Cabrera, your team's going to score runs. It's as simple as that. They're going to score a lot of runs. And let us not forget at the back end of it, if it's a tight ball game, they got uh... – I don't know if he's one of the best closers. He's certainly having one of the best seasons. Jose Valverde, who, correct me if I'm wrong, big dog, 42 save attempts, 42 successful saves. Uh, I'm, you know what? I, I don't, he lost the game the other day, and I think it was when he came into a tie game. You're right. I still yeah. think he's perfect. So that's, uh, a game 40, 42 out of 42. Last time I checked, that, that qualifies as pretty good. That qualifies as incredible, coach. Yeah, he's had, he's had a really good season. He has, without a doubt, the funniest nickname in, in all the sports because uh, somebody in Arizona, I think it was Mark Grace, decided to call him Papa Grande because <laughs> they wanted to call him like Big Daddy. Uh-huh. They realized that the word Papa in in, uh, in Spanish means potato. Uh-oh. So they were calling him the Big Potato instead <laughs> of the Big Daddy. <laughs> and Jose's okay with that, hopefully? He thought it was hilarious. <laughs> if you like, he's going to a little bit of the complexion of an Idaho potato. So that's not bad, call a big potato. By the way, speaking of big potatoes, just a complete sidelight, we did order out yesterday from one of Chicago area's finest restaurants, Wildfire, the giant baked potato, big dog, from Wildfire. And I'm a baked potato, I'm a potato savant. That is the finest baked potato going right now. I'm going to have to take your word for it. And that thing is about as big as the left side of the Illinois offensive line. Awfully good. Awfully good. They got, I don't know what they put on the skin, too. They got like a little butter, Parmesan cheese, little crinkly thing on the skin. It was absolutely awesome. All right, I totally got sidetracked. Yeah, that's quite all right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Hey, real quick, uh, and again, our phone lines are open, 888-463-6748. Big Dog going to be off Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. A lot of listeners will tell you that uh, Big Dog is off pretty much all the time, but, I mean, he's actually going to be off air. So this is the final chance we get him. we got a few people sitting in. Uh, some co-hosts will welcome the dog back on Monday. Where are you going? You're going to New York, correct? Going to New York and, you know, the, the whole 9-11 uh, memorial, yes. all that other stuff going on in New York this week. So uh-huh. hopefully there will be good uh, weather. You do realize airport security heading into New York, you will be frisked. You will be groped early and often, not only going on the plane, but off the plane, going into restaurants. Even if you don't bring the girlfriend, Big Dog, you may have a surprisingly good time. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just going to go through the machines. I, going through those things on a regular basis will give you cancer if you go if you sprint through them. Yep. 
Yeah, it's not that bad. But if you sprint through them, then they think you're suspicious, and they TSA fills you up anyway. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure what to do. Well, you'll make sure now to call in like Friday and give us a report here because the, uh, you know, the remembrance ten year, and I, I'd hate to use the word anniversary, ten years since. Uh, the tragedy that was 9-11. I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I almost said anniversary, too. It's funny. Yeah. I didn't know what to actually call but it. Please make sure you call up on uh, Friday's show. Don't forget the time difference and give us a little bit of a... I'd, be, I'd love to know the, the general feeling and aura of what's going on in New York as uh, the day approaches. And I will have to give my Beat the Schmoes pick, so won't that yes. be great? I, I talk about one of the worst tragedies yeah. in the history of mankind and give my Beat the Schmoes yeah, pick, which this week probably will be. Yep. Well, not as big of a tragedy, obviously. It's almost not right. Almost not right. By the way, we did give David Olson a homework assignment. If we haven't, he will get it uh, right now verbally and get it in writing, and that is there's going to be a ton of 9-11 memorials, TV shows, et cetera, et cetera. We can't watch them all. So we're counting on our TV media expert, uh, Big Dog David Olson, to sift through and let our listeners know what one or two really, really good ones will be to watch. Oh, well, how about this? Why doesn't everybody, when they have a chance, YouTube, what ESPN did, and Tom Rinaldi did a story. Yep. Uh, it was uh, Ed Byrne narrated it. It was written by Tom Rinaldi about Wells Crowther, <coughs> who was a traitor and was in the building the day that it happened. The kid, uh, the kid actually played uh, lacrosse at Boston College. Was a great, you know, college athlete. Mm-hmm. And the guy decided that he could no longer stare at a computer and he was going to become a New York City fireman. And he, did, he made the decision he was going to do that. Just so happened, a day later, a plane flies into his building. And he saved at least 12 people's lives. And the story of this, it took years to find out this guy's story, Coach, because uh, this, uh, the, a Wells mom one day was reading a story about how this woman was saved by a man with, that was wearing a red handkerchief. And, this, and all these other people were telling this story about what a hero they were. They wished they could find out who this guy was. Well, this, his mom realized that he always carried a red handkerchief around him. So she sent pictures to all the people of his son, of her son, to all the, the people that had mentioned him, and they all like responded immediately, this guy saved my life, he saved my life. And they, she found out the story of what he did on that day. I'm almost, almost going to cry talking about what this guy did, Coach. He basically gave up his own life to save up I was... save at least 12 people. And they're like, there's more. They're like, there's more people that he saved. Like, he was going through rooms pulling stuff off of people who were trapped, and he kept getting getting them going to the right spot, and then he kept going back in. And he was uh, post-chairman, uh, uh, basically after he died, uh, New York City Fire Department basically awarded him uh, like an wow. honorary, uh, you know, the fact that he wow. was a fireman. Because that's and that's a... become a fireman, and like the next day he's actually pulling people out of a fire. Wow, you know, so. that's unbelievable. That, that's a ESPN documentary? Yeah, it's Wells Crowther. Wells Crowther. W-E-L-L-E-S. C-R-O-W-T-H-E-R. Coach, it, you, you, you might want to watch it alone because you will cry. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. The way these people talk about him, I mean, like, oh, they're, all like, they're like, he'll be with me forever because he saved my life. Mm-hmm. They're like, there's no doubt I would be dead. So wow. Half, Halfway through your story, you hadn't uh, given us the outcome. I was going to ask you. It sounded like he was still alive. I thought, what no. a great, great story, unfortunately, so he, as you. Went after there was this one woman who she, he got out. And they're like, I'm going back in. And she she was the last one that he got out. Wow. Because they got her right out of the building, and the building collapsed. Wow. Tough. Well, we'll be hearing a a lot of stories like that. And uh, Uh 
hopefully it'll be a good remembrance. And please make sure that's cool that you're going to New York. Very, very cool. And uh, check in Friday and give us a feel for what's going on and some of the events there in New York. Definitely, Coach, definitely. All right. And uh, real quick, Big Dog, before I uh, give you about the 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds, the uh, your favorite team, the Chicago Bears, did make a bunch of cuts over the weekend. They let go of some veterans like Desmond Clark, Marcus Harrison, Chester Taylor. They kept five undrafted rookies. But your thoughts real quick on what the Bears did over the weekend. Well, uh, Marcus Harrison needed to go. You know, uh, it's too bad that, Tommy Harris and Marcus Harris, who was supposed to be the bedrock of the defense for years, didn't work out. But mm-hmm. you know what? They got other players. So instead of worrying about potential, let's worry about productivity. And I, I like the fact that they're willing to keep undrafted free agents. Uh, but the thing is, how much could they really know about these kids, Coach? They, how many what they have, like 18 practices, and they're going to give them a contract with the Bears? Five. Uh, Five undrafted free agents. I mean, that's, that's more than I can ever remember. Yeah, and especially you know, especially in a year where you don't know what you're getting. I mean, normally you have these guys from you know July 15th and you get twice a day for a month, and you know if they can play ball or not. How many practices do these guys have? They started practicing water on August 1st, Coach. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're only one practice a day? Yep. So... I am, I'm worried about that. All right, we shall see. We shall see, but uh, it was a little bit surprising. So then the Bears, of course, did pick up a player or two. All the NFL teams letting go, guys. It was kind of neat checking out some of the roster wires, guys signed with different teams. No super big names, but there were some uh, pretty good players banding about the NFL as the rosters changed a little bit. The Bears picked up Brandon Merriweather, who's a very good safety. Yep. So that was, they got, they've got a pretty good, productive player yep. in, in Merriweather. All right, dog, have a productive trip to New York. Be safe out there. Uh, don't do anything I wouldn't do, which doesn't give you a whole lot of options. And uh, enjoy the time off. I'm glad you're taking some time off of work. Remember, my uh, motto, hard work. Hard work always has a future payoff, but laziness pays off immediately. Well, I'm going to be lazy for the next couple uh, days, Coach. Beautiful. All right, behave yourself. We'll talk to you on uh, Friday and uh, beat the Schmoes football picks, okay? I'll be ready. There it is. Big Dog signing off. We appreciate everybody for joining us on Tuesday. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. Back at you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. This dysfunctional show is called Two Guys in a Mic. We're part of the TalkZone.com. Have a great day, everybody.